The Campbell Group has teamed up with PI Perspectives to offer listeners top-notch, affordable insurance solutions. Private investigators can get insurance for their business for as low as $305 per year. Apply now at PIPerspectivesInsurance.com and receive a quote back within 24 hours. Satellite Investigations has launched its new website full of great new content. Matt and his team have released some great informative blogs. Make sure you log in to LinkedIn and follow Satellite Investigations for the latest content. Check out the PI Institute of Education at piinstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. The PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the investigatorstoolbox.com. So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. Do you enjoy our podcast and the guests we bring you? Since 2019, Matt and his team have done their very best to give you amazing shows each week. If you feel like our show has helped you to be a better investigator, or maybe even inspired you to become an investigator, please let us know. We're looking for testimonials. Drop Matt an email with a recorded 20 to 30 seconds of you talking about this podcast. You can also email him something verbal about the website. His email is S at SatellitePI.com. And if you really feel blessed for having this content, consider supporting Matt and our show by joining Investigators Toolbox. You really have to see version 2.0. And at just 49 cents a day, it's a no-brainer. Now let's jump in to this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. Today, we're welcoming back our friend, Kelly Riddle. In December, Kelly released a survey to all PIs around the country. The results are in and the guys are chatting about it. Check out the YouTube version of this show if you want to actually see the survey. So please welcome Kelly Riddle and your host, private investigator Matt Spare. And welcome everyone to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. This is Matt Spare, your host. Uh, Today I have a great friend, great sponsor of the show, uh, just an all-around guru in the industry and uh i want to welcome uh kelly riddle back to the program kelly how are you hey matt good to see you again brother and uh, excited to be here great yeah. topic yeah great to have you on um you know usually when the, when something's trending in the industry and there's something to kind of talk about you're, you're like my go-to guy <laughs> i'm like i'm just gonna call kelly and and let's talk <laughs> about it but you you took it one step further the, the the thing that people are talking about in the industry is something that actually you put out uh, through the uh, the PI Institute of Education, um, a survey across the country to all investigators. Why hasn't anyone thought about doing that before? Um, so uh, we're, we're going to dedicate this show to kind of talking about this survey because it's really interesting. Um, you did get a good amount of participation with it, right? Yeah, we did actually. And, uh, you know, I, it was kind of at the end of the year, you know, December, and I didn't know what kind of turnout we were going to get, but I kind of did it intentionally because, you know, it's a good time for everybody to, you know, to measure where they are and if they needed to increase rates or change their, uh, you know, whatever they're doing, that was the perfect time to do it. So that was kind of the thought behind it. Right. Right. So what we're going to do is we're, we're going to actually go through that survey. We're going to do something different. And if you're watching the YouTube version, you're going to benefit. I'm actually going to share the screen 
and uh, we're going to go through the the, uh, the results of the survey. Uh, so if you're uh, in your car, to, you got to go uh, look on YouTube later. Uh, don't stream it while you're driving, please. Um, but definitely, we want to check out the YouTube version if you want the full uh, the full effect here. So before we get into the survey, um, obviously, I know who you are. There are a bunch of people who know who you are, but not everybody uh, is going to know who you are. So let's lay the foundation a little bit. Tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do in the industry and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Matt. Uh, so Kelly Riddle, I'm uh, based in San Antonio, Texas. I've had Kelmar Global for 35 years. I've also had the PI Institute of Education for almost the same amount of years. And uh, I belong to 24 associations and sit on six different industry boards, a couple of which uh, you, Matt, are are on as well. So mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot in common and uh, in leadership of the of the industry. Yeah, yeah. And it's just keeping your finger on the pulse, right? So Kelly speaks at a lot of conferences. We actually met at a conference um, years ago, and uh, which, which it's a coming full circle. I think it was a Nally conference in Tampa, uh, St. Saint, Saint Pete, and uh, yeah, Saint Pete. they're going to be there at the end of January, um, which this is probably going to air before that. So uh, yeah, full, full circle. And uh, yeah, that's the... That, some cool stuff. So, all right. So I'm going to share the screen because we're going to dive right in. There's a lot of a lot of stuff here, and uh, we should be able to pull it right up. Okay. All right. So um, we're just going to go through, and it looks like 216 people um, took uh, took part of this, and um, we're going to just go through the uh, the answers here and talk a little bit on it, right? So the, the first question was, uh, are you in a state that requires licensing? So that's been a hot issue in Colorado, right? Yeah, they never yeah. had licenses, then they got licenses, then they lost licenses. Um, so there are some states out there that actually don't require you to have a license to be a private investigator, right? That's right. Yeah, Mississippi is another one of them. But uh, so it's interesting, you know, uh, you know, a little over 5% uh, are in a state that does not require licensing. So uh, you know, that's that, that I'm actually glad to see that. So it means that right. someone's paid attention to the survey other than, uh, you know, licensed PIs. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. We're, we're reaching out there and, and you're definitely getting, uh, you know, the full tilt of, uh, of everything. So the second question, are you licensed in more than one state? And, um, you know, that's, that's important if you're on the border, uh, between states and if you're doing an investigation and let's say you're following a subject and they, end up crossing over into that other state you know are you are you prepared for that right so um, yeah let's talk about that and, a little bit yeah the majority you know were uh licensed probably in one state it should have been the question should have been are you licensed in one state instead of are you licensed in more than one but uh yeah. you know as you see there a little over 65 percent uh you know is one one state uh two to five states or 32 percent and, uh, you know, I'm in that 1.4% of 16 or more. So, um, but, you know, certainly, certainly it's good for business. And like you said, you know, if you're, if you're going to cross over, you really need to be licensed in more than one state. Yeah. I mean, so, so pretty much Calmar, right? So, you, so we're talking about carrying a license in the state, not hiring uh, 1099 contractors to do the work in that state. You actually carry a license for your business in that state, right? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. You know, and, and uh, yeah, you know, it's getting to be, uh, I think, more of a trend as you grow your business. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking to get into markets and, 
you know, because so much of what we do now you're able to do virtually, you, you do have the ability to service different markets, um, but always wise to be licensed in those markets that you're servicing, you know, in case you have to do boots on the ground or, or any of that other kind of stuff. And you don't want a department of state coming after you for, for sales tax, <laughs> you're operating yeah, in a particular true. state that you're not licensed for or registered yeah. to collect sales tax that could lead to lots of problems. So yeah, that's not right. Not recommended. Um, okay. So the next one is, do you operate in a state that requires continuing education? Um, again, a, a very interesting point. Not every state requires you to do continuing education, uh, to maintain your license. So, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. 47%, you know, doesn't require, uh, any education at all. And, and, uh, you know, 5%, uh, five to 10 CEs is, you know, 11, a little over 11%. And, and the bulk of them is 37, almost 38% uh, requires 11 to 20, uh, hours of CE. So, you know, it's, it kind of shows where we are in our profession, I guess, you know, whether or not you do or do not need CEs. Yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, you asked the question like, okay, well, why doesn't the state require you to do continuing education? Kind of would make sense that that they want would want you to, to mean a certain level of professionalism, making sure that you're, you know what you're doing, you know, when you're out there doing doing your stuff, right? Um, so what's the thought behind it? Now, I, I'm from a state that does not require uh, continuing education, and that's that's New York, right? So they just want you to pay every two years to renew your license. And I've, I've talked to the Department of State about it because there are folks within our state association that that would like to have continuing education. I think it's a good idea. Sure. Um, the sense that I got was it was just too much heavy lifting uh, for the state authority to be involved with it. It was just too much of a headache for them. They, they, they weren't interested in enforcing it. They weren't interested in any potential additional revenue, which they could. They could you know, require to go through state-sponsored training uh, and collect revenue, but they just weren't interested in it, right? Yeah, I think that's really a shame. You know, uh, it is, uh, you know, to set the program up and monitor it is, is you know, is going to be a little bit of a heavy load. But once you're up and running, I mean, to me, uh, like in the state of Texas, you have to take ethics and you have to take our rules and procedures, you know, every two years, you've got to do that. And so, you know, if nothing else, it's a refresher and it's a reminder, you know. Yeah, that's always a good thing. And listen, just because you're not in a or or you're in a state that doesn't require you to do continuing education, if you're serious about your business and growing your business and being the very best at what you do, you should seek out this continuing education. You know, how do you do that? Right. You go to um, conferences, seminars, things that are out there. Or you go visit something like the PI Institute of Education, where you've got tons of of training there that that uh, Kelly has painstakingly put through and uh, and revamped, and uh, you've you've freshened up the website. It's relaunched. It looks amazing. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. You can go there and and really learn or or, or get better at your craft, um, and and that's that's what I appreciate about um, that particular website. Right? Even it, it's available for folks that aren't even required to use it, but it's there if you need it, right? Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, we're fixing to expand. We've got uh, three or four more instructors that we're adding and uh, like to have some of your uh, training on there in the near future as well. So we're going to have a lot of other uh, instructors on there. Yeah, it's great when you start to branch out and you you get different voices, right? Different people 
Um, yeah, right. We've got some content from PI um, in, Institute of Education in Investigators Toolbox, but we also have a bunch of others as well, um, which is great. So I think you're you're right. Mixing up the face, making, mixing up the voice, sometimes that helps a little bit too. Absolutely. Um, okay. So the next question, how long have you been a private investigator? Um, and uh, it looks like the, uh, the majority of the folks who took uh, took part in this were either Brand new or been around for a while? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's pretty well, pretty vague. Uh, but the one to five year uh, category looks at almost seventeen percent, um, and then the sixteen to twenty year in business uh, was almost sixteen percent. Oh, and then I didn't even I didn't even see the bottom here. Look at me. The big the best answer is twenty almost twenty percent thirty one years or more, right? Yeah, but you know, I think that speaks to uh, how this went out because you know, as I mentioned, I belong I belong to twenty four associations and sit on mm -hmm. the board of six of them. So I sent it out to to those. So obviously, I think you're going to get uh, you know a slant based on the fact that a lot of people that are in associations have been around a while. Uh, but you know, I also did send it to social medias and stuff that was uh, you know was not necessarily any association based. But I think, you know, this is one of those questions that, that is grounded in the fact that it was sent out to uh, associations where you usually have people that have been around longer. Sure, sure. I know I got some feedback from my state association, some uh, some folks who had actually seen it and are like, why haven't we done this for our own state? Like we should be polling our own members just to get a sense of data. I said, you know, it's probably not a bad idea, right, to get uh, something together. So, yeah, yeah, it's not it's not any different than doing a you know a post conference uh, survey, you know. Yeah. So it uh, tells you a lot of stuff that you need to know in leadership. You're setting a trend, my friend. Okay, uh, were you an intern before becoming a private investigator? And uh, that's a yes or no answer. So they can only go one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I, I think this is not not any kind of a surprise to either one of us. You know, uh, Florida, you have to be an intern. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. if you don't have experience and stuff. And so, um, but 83, almost 83% had not been uh, any type of intern. So that's not really shocking, but uh, it is telling. Yeah. Yeah. I know um, it, it's not necessarily a um, uh, being an intern in New York, but they do require you to have prior experience, which is kind of like a catch 22, right? How do you get into the business when you need experience yeah. to get into the business? Um, yeah. but they do want you to work for somebody. So what does that mean? That means like, I think it's 900 hours, which equates to about three, three years or so, uh, three years worth of experience working for an investigative firm or law enforcement. So you can, they do consider, you know, having a, uh, a career in law enforcement, uh, as meeting their requirement to be allowed to take the test. And then from there, you got to pass the test, um, which yeah, is, and that's kind of how it is in, in Texas as well. You know, you got to have, uh, you know, honestly, to own or manage an agency, you got to have four years experience. But to uh, just be a PI for an existing agency, you just got to not have a criminal history and, you know, be legal age. Mm -hmm. um, next question is kind of an interesting one. Are you currently a certified law enforcement officer? Yeah, that's uh, a little surprising to me. I thought we were going to have a lot more that, uh, you know, you know, that are currently uh, licensed. And you know how it is. A lot of guys will hang their their uh, license underneath an agency and, you know, go work eight hours a month just so they can keep their, their license, uh, the police officer's certification active. So that was actually a little surprising to me that it was only, uh, you know, for almost 5% that mm -hmm. is currently. Yeah, that 5% answered that question. Yes. 
Um, so you do get those that moonlight, uh, or maybe they're getting ready for you know, post retirement. They're getting things you know kind of in place. Um, so that yeah, that was interesting. There, I, I think it freaked out a couple of people because there are three people skipped a question, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> they couldn't get it. Um, okay, so question seven: Are you a retired or previous law enforcement officer? All right, so kind of similar, right? You're not working now, but do you have that background? Um, yeah. This this was kind of interesting, um, I, I thought. So let's let's talk about the answers here. Yeah, you know, when I first got in this business back in the you know mid '80s, I mean, almost everybody was current or previous law enforcement, and you know, it's kind of sliding the other direction. So, uh, you know, now are you retired or previous law enforcement? It said uh, you know forty forty point five percent, so less than forty one percent had prior law enforcement. So to me. That's uh, that's a good and a bad thing, you know. I mean, I think we need a lot of a lot of new uh, faces into the uh, profession, and you know, like in Texas, if you were an insurance claims adjuster, a paralegal, something like that, you can qualify. That that counts as experience. So I think we're bringing in a lot of people from different avenues. Sure. Yeah, it it is quite interesting. I think also with um, universities starting to really build up their criminal justice programs. Like it used to be back in the day, there weren't too many. If you wanted to like get into criminal justice, there were like four or five opportunities around the country to go into. You know, may, maybe a community college would have vocational classes or something like that. But if you're serious in getting like a bachelor's degree, there were only like four or five colleges. Yeah. And I think that that's changed a lot. Um, you know, uh, wh where there is that push now to uh, to do it. I know um, Rory uh, McMahon it used to sponsor this podcast for, for a bit has a whole program that he rolled out um, to do uh, the uh, education, you know, in hand with some colleges and things like that. I know he had partnered up. Uh, so I think the trend is, is changing and that, that may be why the numbers are a little higher, I think. Yeah, good point. You know, and, um, you know, Texas has one like that. It's, uh, uh, it's not really, uh, you know, it's, designed to get you to a point where you can own or manage your own agency. So I think it's like 60 hours or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very interesting trend here. All right. What do we got next? We have what level of education do you possess? All right. Four of them skipped the, <laughs> skipped the question yeah. too. <laughs> well, I think, you know, that's uh, two things that was uh, interesting to me. And that is almost 19% has a high school diploma and no advanced education. And then, you know, it doesn't really surprise me that almost 47% had a bachelor's degree, uh, you know, but you, get, you had, you know, 15% that, that had a master's. So, um, you know, those, those two things, high degree of bachelor and, and high, high number of high school. Yeah. I want to know who the two, uh, the, the, the five doctors who uh, <laughs> the 2%, uh, <laughs> I uh, answered that, that question, right? Who, who are those guys? Um, yeah, and if they started in the PI world, or you know, right. to begin with, if they migrated, right, right. What type of doctorate do they hold? That's a good question. Um, yeah. I, again, this is a, the bachelor degree. It, what we just covered there, I think, because more universities are offering um, better programs, uh, that you're seeing that uh, that drive. And I think, you know, folks with just high school education, they're probably in in my my guess would be those are more surveillance type people you know yeah. that uh they're just out there earning a living doing you know hitting pounding the pavement doing what they need to to do to get it done 
if I had a guess, um, I could yeah. be wrong. Um, I think you're probably right. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next one we have here is your degree in criminal justice um, or is your degree in criminal justice or related field? This is again, a yes or no. Um, very interesting response here too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's almost half and half, you know, 51 to, to 49. So uh, uh, most of 51 being not in criminal justice. So that's, again, you got a lot of people coming from different areas is migrating into this profession. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, you know, but uh, you don't necessarily have to have a criminal justice degree. That's what I have. But, uh, you know, I was in law enforcement uh, for seven years, so it kind of uh, made sense. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's what I find interesting here is not only is it close, but it's like most people, the, the, the majority is, is they don't have that uh, that degree um, in criminal justice, which I, I think is is kind of surprising. Um, I, I know plenty of folks I went to school with for criminal justice that aren't doing criminal justice either, but that's another episode <laughs> on a different program. <laughs> yeah, so, good point. Yeah, good point. I, I was just thankful enough to be able to do for a living what I actually went to school for. I, as I was paying for my college e education, I was like, okay, uh, at least I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm not, I'm not selling shoes like Al Bundy. You know, like I'm good. Yeah, man, yeah, that's that was me. It's all I ever wanted to do. So I had no other forethought. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's good. All right. Uh, we'll we'll do one more question before we take a quick break. Um, okay, are you the owner of the PI company you work for? Yeah, not necessarily surprising. You know, uh, right at eighty nine percent are the owner of the PI company, and you know, again, going back to the fact that this went out to mainly associations and stuff, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's not surprising. Yeah, that's the point I was going to make. You know, w w where you're soliciting this data from would indicate it's probably the owner would be the one looking at it. And uh, if you're an owner, you're happy that your employees are not taking surveys while they're working, right? So, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> this has got to be encouraging as a business owner. That's right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and it's an overwhelming response to um, almost 89%. Well, this is a good place as any to take a break. So I think we're going to jump out, um, play a couple commercials, and when we come back, uh, we're not quite halfway through, but but uh, getting there. And we'll... Uh, We'll rifle through and talk through uh, this interesting stuff. So everybody sit tight and we will be right back. Over the past year, our industry has been the target of foreign governments and agencies that have attempted to recruit unsuspecting investigators to gather intelligence or immediate expatriates. PI Perspectives is teaming up with the Federal Bureau of Investigations to get the word out about this ongoing crisis. If you've been contacted by an individual or company that might seem suspicious, please contact the FBI at tips.fbi.gov. You can also contact the New York Field Office at 212-384-1000 to report suspicious activity in any state. The link is also in the show notes. Even if you completed a job and it still doesn't sit right with you, you can report this activity. The only way to stop this trend is to work together. So let's do it. Specializing in the research of liability for personal injury claims, Pacific Liability Research offers insurance assessments of all applicable liability coverages to help determine what a case is potentially worth. 
Have a case with no insurance policy? Since 2019, the highly trained staff on their insurance discovery team has located over 100 million plus in previously unknown insurance coverage. They offer a full refund for any inaccurate results, and they do not charge for no-hit searches. Additionally, Investigators Toolbox members automatically receive 50% off their first case. Just mention Investigators Toolbox when you fill out your first order. More information can be found at PacificLiability.com. Contact them today and discover the immediate impact that Pacific Liability Research can provide. I want to talk to everybody today about ScopeNow.com. ScopeNow has been a big-time sponsor of this program for quite some time, and I just love their service. I've been using them since the beginning. I'm one of their beta customers, and it's been so awesome to see them grow into the business that they are today and just how they just keep reinventing themselves and pushing themselves to get more and more information. What it comes down to is, is ScopeNow is a tool that you definitely need to use if you do social media investigations, any internet research, and really spending less time digging around and, and uh, looking for information. I think it's one of the best points of how ScopeNow can help you. Their AI platform, their analytics are amazing. You really get an idea of what you need. You're reducing the time, you're reducing the manpower that you, you're spending on doing this research because they're essentially doing it for you and uh, they're doing it correctly, which is most important. One of the new things that they're actually offering is this flagging system where you can flag behaviors and really highlight and um, look out for fraud. If you're doing a lot of fraud research, uh, this is a fantastic tool and you can set up alerts. So you have uh, particular people that you're looking at, you can actually set up alerts to get notifications when the criteria that you set up is actually um, is flagged and goes off. It's really, uh, really amazing. And their relationship and association analytics are uh, top notch, really uh, cutting edge and really, really cool. When they brought that out on version three, it was a game changer. I mean, really being able to see how people interact together and, and uh, you know having that relationship you know, analysis is really, really something that's cool. You know, one of the other things about being involved with Scope now is their ability to offer webinars. Their team is cutting edge on putting together and getting out really, really great content. If you're a member of Scope now, if you know who they are, you've seen them around on LinkedIn, you'll you'll know that they're constantly doing webinars on these new websites that are coming out, and uh, they're really staying on top of it. And don't forget, uh, any reports that you generate, you can actually white label those reports put your own logos on and, and really make them look professional, which you know could equate to more billing for you as well. So check them out today. It's uh, www.scopenow.com. They're a great, great company. They should be one of the tools in your toolbox, along with whatever kind of uh, search engines you do. Uh, you need to make sure that ScopeNow is a part of that suite. Scopenow.com. And welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. We are joined today by the PI Institute of Education guru, Kelly Riddle. Kelly, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Matt. I think we are uh, having a lot of fun here talking about an interesting subject. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just to recap, uh, there was a survey that went out in December uh, to investigators. We're just kind of getting a sense of trends in the industry, right? What's uh, what's going on in your, your little uh, slice of the world here in the industry? And uh, people participated, and they were interested in what the answers were to the the survey so you published them recently and i reached out to you and said hey this is a something to come on and chat about so uh, we knocked out 10 of the 30 questions before so we're going to make our way through um the rest of this and uh, let's dive right back in so then the next question 
is do you belong to your state association? Yeah, and again, you know, this went out to mainly associations, so it's not surprising, but uh, almost 77% are members of their state association. But again, you know, you got 24% here that's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really important, you know, to support your state association in, uh, on so many different levels. Um, you know, um, networking, growing your business, you know, that, that's where business gets done. The, the ability to handle multiple assignments or or find people that specialize in areas that, that you don't specialize in. So absolutely. Yeah, was, you learn about laws and, and trends and, you know, what's the latest uh, legislative stuff coming down the pike, which is part of the national association, which is the next question, right? A good segue here. Question 12, do you belong to a national or international PI association? Yeah. Um, so 61% said mm-hmm. uh, they do belong to a national or international association. I know me and you, Matt, both belong to both national, international yeah. and state associations. Sure. Yeah, and I, I cannot stress the importance of this one. So the forty percent that are out there, get with the program, and uh, look into a national association. Uh, there are a couple uh, different ones out there, um, and, and a couple different international ones as well. My preference, um, NALI and NCISS. I, I'm a part of both of them nationally. Um, yeah. They they do different things. NCISS is really important for legislation, and man, is there some shakings of trees going on here with regards to subcontracting and 1099s. There's a lot going on with that, right? Yeah, man, that's a whole nother ball game. So, you know, Matt and I are both on the uh, board of directors for NCISS and that's the the watchdog for legislation in our uh, profession. So, man, if you're not involved in that, you need to be, you know, because it's uh, it's important right now. We're fighting some battles. Yeah, all hands on deck, man, because... The ability to do 1099 uh, contracting work uh, is is being threatened. Um, and it really has nothing to do with private inv- investigators, which is crazy. It really has more to do with like Uber drivers and things like that. They're trying to make sure that that people that do subcontracting work are covered under workers' comp or, or have the right insurances and in places to, to protect them. So the, the spirit of the law makes sense, but it, it's so... Um, uh, I guess it covers everything in, in a way that I don't think they intended it to do. So it's uh, it's interesting that the Department of Labor just put out a ruling on it, and I'm sure you'll hear more about that in the uh, in the future. So that that's on a national level, like you need to support NCISS. Um, you know, please go check out their website. They sponsor uh, the, the podcast as well. You'll see, um, you know, in the show notes there. Um, their things Absolutely. and and uh, Nally, right? The National Association of Legal Investigators. That's that's uh, because I do a lot of work with lawyers. That's kind of uh, a wheelhouse for me. And just being able to meet people that can help me cover through the country is, is really important. Yeah, Nally's another good one. And yeah. I, I just I was on the board. I don't remember if you've been on the board or not, but that's uh, Nally.org and uh, NCISS.org. Yeah, yep, and um, and then. Globally, uh, the, the two out there are WAD and Intelnet. Um, yeah. I, I've been very involved with WAD and enjoying it a lot. I've made a lot of connections and a lot of friends. And, um, you know, Intelnet's great, too. They're, they're going yeah. to Ireland, right? You're putting, you're yeah, putting yeah, that one yeah. together, so, right? Yeah, I'm on the board for them. And, uh, the school <laughs> of course you are. We're going to Dublin in April. And uh, I'm a member of WAD. But um, So, yeah, they're both good associations. Yeah. WAD is going to be in Panama. So you can either go to the sun or you can go to Europe and sit in the rain. You can decide what you want to do. That's right. Uh, it's literally going on within days of, of each other, which is, is cool. Or you can go to both. I, I know people that are actually going to both, which is pretty insane. Um, okay. Next question. How many PI industry associations do you belong? 
Interesting yeah. that 17 people skipped that. I don't know. Maybe they're yeah. embarrassed. Um, but uh, let, yeah, let's but, talk about the answers here. Yeah, the bulk of them, you know, 65% belong to one uh, to three, and 27% uh, uh, belong to four to six, and uh, about 5% belong to seven to 10. And I'm part of that 11% uh, uh, that, you know, are the 11 or more, 3%. And yeah. I'm one of those, you know. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Full disclosure, I answered that question. <laughs> as oh, good. 11, good. So, yeah. You made up yeah. two of the three. I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, not quite to your level, but I'm getting there. Uh, okay. So, next question here: Does your household derive the main income from your employment as a private investigator? Okay, let's yeah. talk about the answers here. This one uh, was really interesting to me because, you know, you got a lot of a lot of part timers out there. You got a lot of guys that, uh, you know, retired, whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think this is going to have a bearing on one of the next question questions that you'll see related to income. But, uh, you know, 61 and a half percent do derive their income, their main main income from PI world. But, you know, 39 percent do not. Right. So I think that lends itself to part timers, I'm guessing. Or they yeah. someone that hadn't built their business. Yeah. Or they're, or they're you're married to sugar mamas or sugar daddies. There you go. <laughs> One or the other. There you go. Okay. So the next question here. What What is your yearly level of income from your PI in employment? So seven did squ uh, skip this one, but um, let's talk about the answers here. Yeah, so I was hoping that people wouldn't get confused with, you know, how much do you make personally versus what is your agency, um, you know, make. And so the ones that skipped it might have skipped it because of that. And so, uh, you know, you got about, uh, what is it, uh, 30, 40 percent uh, that uh, are under 75,000, uh, you know, a year. And then you've got, uh, you know, 24 percent that's over 151,000 per year. So kind of. I think indicative, very indicative of our profession. Yeah, a lot of that has to do with the market that you're in as well, mm -hmm. um, and whether or not you're running a full time operation. Um, because I, I, I think there are, though, a lot of ex law enforcement uh, that may be collecting a pension and aren't quite working full time, and, and I think that probably skewed the answers a little bit too. Yeah. Um, okay, do you specialize in one type of case? That was the next. Uh, well, to your point, uh, you know, National Association of Legal Investigators, you know, you've got a lot of people, 24% that do legal and or work with attorneys. Um, and then, the, you know, other is uh, almost 31%. And, you know, that could be a lot of things from mm -hmm. computer forensics to, you know, electronic bug sweeps to whatever, you know, and, uh, but uh, almost 20% 20, 20 was criminal and 15% insurance. So I don't yeah. think... Any of those are really a shock to us. Yeah. I mean, and not surprising that the lowest number was domestic. Um, yeah. And it, it's, you, you'll get the calls though. I think if you, if you repolled this and said, what type of work do you get calls for the most domestic would probably be right up there. Exactly. You know, right. They, they get the sticker shock when you tell them how much it's going to cost to actually do the work. Uh, so yeah, um, yep. there is, there is that. Uh, okay. Question on, do you bill by the hour or by the job? Everybody answered this one. And uh, let's talk about the results here. You know, it's interesting. In some states, you cannot uh, do anything except by the by the hour. In other words, uh, you can't do contingency is what I should say, uh, get a percentage of a case. But, you know, 71% uh, bill by the hour, 
a little over 5% by the job and 23% do both. So um, yeah. I thought that was interesting that you had that much, that high that did both. Yeah, the only time I've seen con- contingency talked about, I, I think John Hoda had talked about it once when he was doing um, estate work and recovery of estate work where he would get a percentage of whatever he assisted uh, in in getting recovered for heirs and things like that. But I haven't really seen that model um, in other states. I know it's definitely not allowed in New York, um, but uh, it is very interesting to how uh, how this is done. And, and yeah, we do like... In my business model, there are some things that are flat rate. So I don't know if that would be considered by the job. Um, and there are other jobs, you know, like other things we do that are that are hourly. Uh, but the flat rate is usually based on the hours that it would take to do it. So that's uh, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly right. But figures into it. But it's an yeah. interesting question. Definitely. Okay. Question 18. Do you charge the client an hourly rate of, and then you have uh, 50 to 75, 76 to 100, 101 to 125, 126 to 150, 151 to 200, or more than 200. This would be dollars per hour. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about the responses a little. This one uh, to me was really interesting, and it's one of the one of the reasons I wanted uh, so many PIs to respond to this and use it as a tool to increase their rates because. Uh, you know, basically, if you look at all of those figures combined, about 89% bill more than $100, uh, $100 an hour. Yeah. So, you know, you've got roughly, what is that, uh, uh, you know, 20%, something like that, that, that's under $100 an hour. And so you got 75 to uh, $100, 29% bill in that range, but but uh, the high majorities over 100 and uh, surprisingly to me, um, you know, you had almost 10% that was more than 200. So that would tell me yeah. that's probably a specialty like computer forensics or something like that. Yeah. Or the market that they're in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think the 50 to $75 people are probably 1099 guys, you know, that work for other, you know, they own their own company. Uh, they have their own PI license, but they're subcontracted out to do like surveillance work or, or driving or whatever. I, I would think that would make up that that almost 10%, but I yeah. could be wrong. Makes sense, yep. Uh, okay, so how many cases do you typically work per month? Uh, it would be 1 to 10, 11 to 20, 21 to 30, 31 to 40, 41 to 50, or 50 or more. Yeah, I think this uh, also speaks to the type of work that you do because uh, 53% do 1 to 10 for a month and 22 do 11 to 20 percent uh, 20 uh, cases so i think that really has to do with your your caseload and what you do yeah the type of investigation you're doing too if you're working on a capital murder case i mean shoot that could take three months you're working on one case six months yeah. and it could take a year more um i think it all all just depends on the type type of assignment that you're doing right yeah all right question 19 how many licensed PIs are there in your company? Uh, one to three, four to seven, eight to 10, 11 to 15, 16 to 20, 21 to 30, or 31 or more. Yeah, you know, I wish I had broke out uh, one only and then two to three or something like that because, you know, 77% said one to three. And I bet you a majority of those are only, you know, one person operations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're probably right. I know like some of the guys that work for me actually carry their own license as well. So you do mm-hmm. get models like that. And for me as a business owner, I kind of encourage it. Um, sure. I think it, it, it 
it doesn't mean they're running out the door if they have their own license. Um, it, it allows them. And I like one of my guys is very um, interested in getting involved in different associations. He actually just joined Nally. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. Just joined Intelnet. And um, you know, he, he wanted to have full membership in order to do that. You got to actually have your license. Right. Um, yeah. So it does, it does a, uh, I think it pr promotes a, a better quality employee as well. Somebody that cares enough to actually get their own certification, um, you know, which is yeah. interesting, but they got to yeah, agree. And, you know, there's some, there's some tax benefits in that as well. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, then it's a question of, are you paying them, you know, as a as 1099, are you paying them, you know, as a W2, uh, talk yeah. to your accountant. <laughs> I'm, not touching, you <laughs> I'm not, not touching it. I'm not touching it. Okay. Uh, question 21. How many support staff, non-licensed PIs work in your company? Zero, one to three, four to seven, eight to 15, 16 or more. So see, I, th I think this goes hand in hand with the previous question. You know, if, if, I, if that question was how many PIs are in your company and it was one then this probably would go hand in hand with that because there's on this yeah. question, there's zero, 68% uh, have no support staff, which tells you it's probably a one person operation as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember talking about this recently with somebody where we're, we were talking about growth and we were talking about, okay, uh, when do you hire the support staff and how many do you hire? Like how many support staff should you have per investigator that's out there? Um, and I know you and I offline, we, we've had this question as I was scaling up and growing. It's like, Hey, um, what model are you using? Um, yeah. you know, what would you recommend? Um, I think the general consensus is you should have one support staff to every three investigators, right? Is it, is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about right. But it also depends again on what type of cases you do, you do. And do you have a case management system, you know, right. uh, because we manage a lot more than that, but it's because we have a case management system. Sure. Yeah. And and you, you have the ability to do that. And um, the support staff could be different things too, right? It could be a quality control person. It could be a bookkeeper, mm -hmm. uh, accounts receivable, accounts payable. Uh, yep. pay, payable is a tough one. As a business owner, <laughs> very hard to let go of that one. <laughs> that is. That's amen to that, brother. Especially when in the industry we work in when we're dealing with frauds all the time. <laughs> that's so, right. That's, that's a tough one, man. Very difficult. Okay. Uh, does your state regulations allow you to work for more than one company at a time? Yeah, so that's interesting because, you know, Texas, when I first became a PI, you could only work for one company. And now you can work for, you know, as many as you want to be licensed by multiple companies. So, you know, 80, almost 84% says, yes, you can work for more than one company at a time. Interesting to see how this Department of Labor uh, issue is going to affect that, right? So I think oh, man, that's going to drive that one down. Yeah, I think so, man. It's uh, it's going to people are going to have to make some tough choices. Um, again, I understand the spirit of of the bill, but I definitely uh, it needs to be tweaked a little bit. And I'm so happy to see NCIS is like jumping on it. Uh, I'm happy that the you know I'm serving on the legislative committee, and man, are these guys active. You know, it's got to be one of the, the most active boards that, that I've seen uh, where they're just pushing away and they're, they're the, the severity and the seriousness of what's going on. Like they're, they're taking it very serious, which is amazing. Um, yeah, I agree. That board's you. always been like that. I also, you know, past presidents and stuff have been very. Yeah, and we're fixing to do hit the hill, you know, go to yeah. Washington and talk to our congressmen and all that stuff. So it's an right. important part of what 
So the that'll ISS be, does. That'll be in early May. Definitely to visit their website to check out more. Um, okay. Do you use an online case management system? We had just talked about that, right? Okay. So the, yeah. the yes or no answer here. Um, I, I was surprised by this answer. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, 60, almost 67% do not use a case management system. And, you know, and, and so there's pros and cons of that. You know, if you're one person operation, then you may not need that. But honestly, that comes back to, for, if for no other reason, you know, the amount of paper that you end up storing and having to deal with yeah. at some point in your life, you know, so uh, it's a lot cleaner and you can certainly grow easier if you do have it. Yeah. And just be better organized and, and write better reports, take better notes. And I mean, there, there's so many advantages to it. And, you know, understanding that it is a line item for your business. That's right. You know, like using the excuse that it's too expensive is the worst excuse that's out there. You literally can write it off and, and you know, you build it into your price. And Absolutely. You have some sort of administrative charge and in every in invoice that you have sending out uh, that you're recovering these expenses, you know, um, you should be figuring that in your billing. Definitely. Yeah. Plus, I mean, it does, a lot of those case management systems do everything for you, billing and yeah. accounts receivable. I mean, it does. So it's, it's, it's thing. It's the thing to have. Yeah. I know, uh, we, I use Crosstrax and they're a supporter of this show. Um, and you use track ops, That's think, right. right? So, which is, you know, it's, it's interesting. I I've not talked to anybody over at track ops, but, but Crosstrax, they respect track ops. Like they're, they're not yeah. like, Oh, that system's trash. You shouldn't be with them. You know, when you tell them, as soon as you tell them like, Hey, use that. They're like, okay, well, you know, that that's a good system to use. We do things a little bit differently. If you ever feel like you want to change, then, you know, we're here for you. Um, yeah. yeah, and and they are a little different in how they do things. Um, but it, it both these companies, yeah, great companies. Um, I know uh, Crosstrax is is SOC two certified. I don't know if Tracks Track Ops uh, has that sort of. I believe they are. I believe yeah. they are. And you know the the two owners of Track Ops were PIs before they were software where yeah. gurus. You know, well, same thing with, with um, Crosstrax, um, and and they still are. They still yeah. own their investigation company, which is kind of neat. Um, but again, regardless of who you use, you should be using somebody, uh, or using something, uh, Excel and power uh, Excel sheets really can only take you so far. Uh, right. Dropbox can only take you so far. Um, you should really have uh, a better system implemented. Um, uh, okay. So next question here, do you use an outside payroll processing company? Um, again, an another surprise here on this that so many do. Yeah. Not. It kind of goes hand in hand with the case management though, you know, so, uh, uh, 37% almost say that, yes, they do. And, uh, you know, almost 64% say that they do not. So, uh, you know, if you don't use a case management system, chances are you're not going to use an outside payroll processing company either. Yeah. I mean, there are major advantages to using somebody. And to me, it really comes down to tax liability. You yeah. know, uh, I don't want another task to remember to pay Uncle Sam. <laughs> I'd rather have the payroll company just deal with it. You know, it, it's uh, hard enough with sales tax, you know, making sure that the sales tax is, is getting paid, uh, but having to write. And and I did I did start my business I, for many years. I think I had like four or five years uh, when it was just it was me and one other person. I think um, I would um, I would handle all that myself and I would have to write additional checks to um, to New York State for um, for all the taxes and stuff. And uh, and the yeah. federal it was, just, it was annoying. I'd have to go to the bank and hand in. You know, like there were I know, and stuff I know, man. 
You said an interesting thing that I left out of this survey, and that's sales tax. I wish I would have yeah. had a few questions about sales tax, you know, because not every state has to collect it. And, right. and you know, so interesting. Well, listen, version uh, 2.0, man. Yeah, I've already got it. It works, man. <laughs> it's, a, it's in the in the hopper, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, question twenty five: Do you have a physical office outside your home? Um, very interesting here too. Yeah, this actually surprised me because there, there's more that uh, have them have an office outside of their home than I thought we were going to get because mm -hmm. uh, almost forty seven percent said yes, they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, and it, it is interesting because it's it's a business that really is a remote business, yeah. right? So. Right making the argument to say like i could do it from home is fine you know you talk to the data brokers they they don't like that they, they mm -hmm. don't like you working from home uh you gotta meet certain parameters and guidelines and all that other stuff but um because of the of the, the field work you know when when you're when you're outside you're in the field work when you have report writing to do or you have um you know company upkeep to do um you theoretically you could do it at home so it's yeah. not completely unreasonable I, I, me, I, I have a, a professional space in the city. I just feel it's, it looks professional. It's, it's better that way. Um, you know, but that's, that's one choice to do, uh, to do it that way. And I think it gives you an attitude when you step into the office, it gives you, you know, an attitude of professionalism and, you know, yeah. it's time to get down to work kind of a scenario. So it helps you. Okay. So we were, I'm almost segueing like crazy here. Look at this. How many yeah. industry databases do you subscribe to and use? It's like <laughs> I read this survey before I started talking to you about it. Um, all right. So the answer is one to three, four to eight, nine to 15 or 16 or more. Um, yeah. And predominantly, man, that's a, yeah. you know, 60% have one to three and 33% uh, have four to eight. And, uh, you know, everybody else is after that. You know, I, you know, I personally, I mean, I've got like uh, four go-to databases that we use every day and mm -hmm. almost, you know, multiple times constantly. But, uh, you know, you got to have those ones that are tucked away for the hard ones. Yeah. And I think that um, you could probably break this question down into industry paid databases and open source databases, because I think yeah. that, that may change the answer on that, too. Um, you know, I tried to get to that because of the word subscribe. So right. I was trying to, you know, that's what I was trying to do with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see that. I can see that. Um, okay. All right. Next one. How often do you upgrade computers, cameras, et cetera? Okay. Only as needed every one to two years, every three to four years, five years or more. Yeah. Not surprising. You know, 55% uh, only as needed and, uh, you know, 18% one to two years and 21% three to four years, you know, so, um, you know, depend. I guess it really depends on what you're talking about. You know, cameras versus computers. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you talk about the uh, the bug sweeping equipment too. Um, yeah. That's got a shelf life, and um, I, I know, like I've been I've been approached to to buy a couple of, well, of different bug sweeping businesses, and when you start looking at, all right, well, what do you have? What are your assets? And they start listing assets of of equipment that's like seven eight years old i was like no i don't want to know the value of the junk in your closet man i want to know the value of the stuff that you actually right. use right that's right <laughs> yeah and that's one of the things i mean you know i do that so we've got yeah. you know uh, every every bell and whistle but uh you know the companies that promote that equipment come out with something you know because self-perpetuating they have to come out with a newer version and yeah. then you yeah. then have to go get trained on it so it's you know it's a, it's a cycle it is a cycle it's a vicious cycle man <laughs> yeah man 
Uh, okay, we're almost done here. Do you subcontract work to other PIs? Yeah, 75% say yes, they do. And uh, yeah. 25% say no, they don't. So yeah, very interesting to see how the new Department of Labor uh, ruling here is going to change that. I think it'll skew it a little bit, but not much. I think we're going to figure out, you know, figure out how to get that. We have to. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Next question. If you do subcontract work for other PIs, do you offer a discounted rate? Skip yeah, this was a little interesting. <laughs> yeah. This one was interesting to me because uh, almost forty-one percent said they don't offer other PIs a discount, which um, you know I always have, and I always, you know, I'm, 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 it, it depends really on the type of case and and uh, you know the dollar amount involved and everything else. But I always offer you know thirty percent or more. So, but you know, uh, you're looking at five to ten percent offer a sixteen and a uh, you know sixteen percent offer a five to 10% discount and 22% offer 11 to 20% discount. So it's, um, you know, if you're going to work in different geographic areas, other than where you live, you almost have to subcontract. So, you know, you got to play ball with the other side, you know, for sure. For sure. I think, um, you know, as, as somebody that's been contacted to do subcontracting work or somebody who has used uh, subcontracting work, I think you, you have to, you have to, there should be a reduction, but then there's also that argument of like, okay, well, if I'm going to do your work, it's going to take me away from doing my other work where I'm billing that at a hundred percent rate. Why should I give you a discount? You need it done. But then, you know, how, how is the person that's going that contacting you to do the work? How are they going to make some money on it too? Like they need right. to, you got to leave them enough room to mark it up essentially is what it comes down to. And you got to understand that the company that's calling you they're going to be paying you and you're going to get paid much quicker than the company that's hired that particular company to do the work. So they're assuming the risk of payment. They're sitting on yeah. that invoice, right? They're, they're, um, they're ultimately responsible liability wise, right? They're, they're sharing that liability with you. Right. Um, so those are all things to consider when you're like, okay, I could take, I can take less. I mean, I understand though, why, why they wouldn't do it based upon, um, uh, you know, the argument of why well, have all, all this other work that, I, you know, I'm billing at a hundred percent rate. Right. Well, but you're, you know, you're getting a case off of, uh, off of uh, that. You did not have to market. You did not have to right. go out and find a client, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and there's going to be a time when you're going to need them. 100%. It, it, one hand washes the other. I, I got to say most of the subs that I work with um, it, it's a mutual relationship. That's for right. sure. You know, um, we help each other. Has out. to be. Um and you know, I, I got to be honest with you. The the when I have a choice too, to send work to a particular individual that I know it has a higher hourly rate um, than somebody else who can do the exact same job, and I know that they're going to get it done, I'm going to choose the lower person every time yeah. because of margins. It's nature, right? No, it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's margins. You know, like I'm I'm in business to be in business. That's right. You know, if I know that person can do the same job like the job requirement and they're charging me $25 an hour less than the other one it's a no-brainer like you said human that's nature right. you know and it's uh, another reason why you need to go to associations and conferences because you meet people and that's how you develop those kind of contacts that you feel comfortable with for sure for sure okay um, last question last question I just had to scroll down to make sure it was the last one okay yeah. it like 230 probably should have given that one away <laughs> 
Uh, okay. All right. What region of the U.S. are you in? The Northeast, Southeast, Northwest, Southwest, North Central, or South Central? Yeah, and I, I just wanted to know this, you know, from curiosity as to where we were getting the the survey answers from. And, you know, uh, almost 20 percent were from the northeast and almost 20 percent were from the southeast and uh, almost 25 percent were from the southwest. So, you know, it just it, it just tells you you're getting answers from all over the U.S. So yeah. you don't have, you know, it being skewed because it's all coming from, you know, New York City where they charge a higher dollar amount or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's a rate. I mean. Uh, rate rate driven uh, for that. So the data, you want it to be as pure as it possibly can. So that's definitely an appropriate question. Um, yeah, man. Well, this was fun, man. This was really fun to go through. Um, I hope there is going to be a version two at some point. Uh, again, I'm a, I'm a stats nerd. Um, the statistics in college was like one of my favorite classes to take. Uh, I, I was the kid who bought the newspaper that had the box scores for baseball every day. And, and took them and entered them into computer and kept, kept my own stat sheet, you know, no when kidding. I was like 12, 13 years old. Yeah. I just, uh, it was nuts. And then they came out with this, this video game called micro league baseball, where you could actually plug in statistics and create your own teams and leagues. And, you nice. know, every day I was just updating stuff and then I would run simulated games. Yeah. I had no life. I had no friends. <laughs> yeah. That's fun, man. But I think, I, I, you know, as an investigator, you, you, you have to be attuned to statistical information such as this and stuff, you know, but, uh, sure. but I do want to tell everybody that they can get a copy of this at PIinstitute.com, PIinstitute.com. So you can download your own copy of this. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a link in the show notes. Uh, Kelly is a, Huge supporter of PI Perspectives, Investigator's Toolbox. Um, he's got a bunch of trainings in the toolbox um, for, for classes. I think there's six classes that are in there. Plus, he offers discounts um, to Toolbox members uh, to actually do other trainings as well. It's a great resource. And, um, you know, as you can see, Pelly, uh, Kelly's got a passion for um, keeping his finger on the, the pulse of the industry. So I want to thank you, Kelly, for doing this. And thank you for coming on and, and chatting about this a little. I'm going to stop sharing the screen here. Yeah, brother. It's always um, we'll good, man. And thank you for all you do for the for the profession as well. And for everyone listening or watching, I hope you take this statistic and uh, the st statistical information and use it to better your rates and your business. So sure. good luck with it, man. Yeah. And shoot Kelly a message. If you yeah. can't find him, you're a crappy investigator. <laughs> if you have any questions, <laughs> if you have any questions on how to do things, um, <laughs> Kelly's one of those guys that's always going to respond to you, and and me too. You know, just yep. dropping drop an email, um, and uh, please go go follow Kelmar uh, Global on LinkedIn and Satellite Investigations on LinkedIn, in addition please. to uh, our regular accounts on LinkedIn. So, yep. thanks everybody for checking this out, and we'll catch everyone on the next episode. Take care. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Matt. Thank you, Kelly, for sharing this amazing survey. You can actually see the results at the PI Institute for Education's website. The link's in the show notes or Google it. We also want to thank the Campbell Insurance Group for sponsoring our podcast. Remember to tell them you listen so you can save $50 when you apply for insurance and additional thanks goes to ScopeNow, Pacific Liability Research, and the PI Institute for Education for sponsoring the podcast. Also, don't forget about investigatorstoolbox.com where you can type in version 2.0, 25% to save $50 when you do join. And please follow Matt at Satellite Investigations on LinkedIn. 
If you have a question or a comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com, and you can also find him on Instagram and Facebook. We'd like your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll be back next week with a new show, so tune in and stay safe out there. <laughs>